Hey, let's talk about forgiveness. Forgiveness is a complex topic. I don't expect to be able to cover all the nuances of forgiveness when it comes to trauma, emotional pain, and adverse childhood experiences. I do think it's helpful for the church to recognize that we must be able to help each other function as an alternative community to the watching world. It begins with our ability to have people from diverse backgrounds cause harm to one another, not intentionally, but, but exist, have a level of conflict, and then forgive and return to trusting and caring for one another. We will step on each other's toes and cause each other harm. But what separates the church from all other types of community is not our lack of conflict, but it's our ability to process conflict, learn how to trust and grow in relationship, listen to one another, and our ability to point people towards Jesus in the midst of all of this. For the Christian, forgiveness is rooted in the example of Jesus. We might find inspiration in others who have forgiven their transgressors or even use other scenarios in psychology to justify unforgiveness. The Christian must always first look to Jesus. Paul says, forgive others as Jesus has forgiven you. One important caveat here is you only stand forgiven with God when you have repented and trusted in Jesus. Now this may sound like you, you never have to forgive someone who never admits their wrongdoing. That's not the case. But we're looking at the Christian community. And there should be a level of sincerity and a level of repentance as we go down our journey of forgiveness. As we work towards forgiveness, it starts with Jesus and flows outward. This video, I'll deal with working towards forgiveness with those in the local church. In order to rightly understand forgiveness, we may need to look at unforgiveness first. Unforgiveness is the result of failure to process complex emotions through the lens of Jesus. The process may go something like this. A transgression is perceived as a hurt or an offense. This hurt or offense stimulates fear and anger. The person then mentally replays the transgression the motives of the transgressor, and the consequences of the transgression. This process is called rumination, and then it takes time and reflection to develop unforgiveness. So hurt or fence, fear and anger that go unprocessed, ruminating on the hurt transgression and the variety of factors over a period of time leads to unforgiveness. After that flowchart of sorts, two important facets after that flowchart of sorts, two important facets of the process. First, initial anger and fear are not unforgiveness. These are emotions. Emotions are not feelings. Emotions are embodied experiences. Our whole body is involved. We use feeling words to describe what is happening to us in our head. And we lump memories together by emotions. Emotions that go unprocessed in association with traumatic hurt cause us to kick into fight, flight or freeze mode when encountering situations with the person who has hurt us previously. So feelings are mental experiences of body states which arise as the brain interprets emotions 
themselves physical states arising from the body's responses to external stimuli. While individual emotions are temporary, the feelings they evoke may persist and grow over a lifetime. Second, communicating with the person who has hurt or offended you short circuits the unforgiveness process. If you are the offender, go repent. Matthew 5.23 says that if you're preparing to offer sacrifice, if you're preparing to worship God, but have but know that, that your brother has something against you, you need to stop what you're doing and go repent, go reconcile, go admit you were wrong. Now, if you have been hurt, you need to go to them in accordance with Matthew 18 and Luke 17, that you are to go to them and, and express what the hurt we're feeling is and communicate about it so that you can reconcile. We try to cope with negative emotions via hurt in all kinds of unhealthy ways. The best solution is always communication. When hurt or fractured relationships are avoided, the witness of the church is compromised and your growth with Jesus will be stunted. Forbearance is the suppression of negative emotions through invoking the will or using psychological denial or distraction. It's a strong will to overlook an offense. So it's based on willpower and suppressing negative emotions. Now, that is typically how we think of one aspect of forgiveness. For many, forbearance is synonymous with forgiveness. Well, I will just won't have any emotions about them, and I'll just overlook it. While this helps us move towards the path of forgiveness or an initial step to not blow up on someone or cause the situation to worsen, this in itself is not forgiveness. Decisional forgiveness. Here's a quick example of decisional forgiveness. A friend might say, I forgot your birthday. Can you forgive me? We might say, of course. We might be hurt, disappointed, but we are quick to assure that friend that we have canceled the debt and do not intend to hold the mistake against them. We then control our negative behavior, maybe manifested in avoidance or revenge, towards the other person. Our hope is that through the passing of time, the emotions will subside and in the meantime, we will do our best to act as if everything is okay. This is very common to teach children, but we all know that the 18 inches from our head to our heart and then expressing that through our actions can take a while to manifest. In Christian circles, I hear a ton of people discuss how this is the forgiveness level they stop at. However, in both forbearance and decisional forgiveness, the distance still remains between both people. Let's not settle for this because this is a similar method of self-preservation that anyone who is not connected with Christ may employ. What sets the Christian and the non-Christian apart in forgiveness is the ability to step into emotional forgiveness when the perspective moves from self to God's perspective. Emotional forgiveness. This is the emotional juxtaposition of positive emotions against the hot emotions of anger or fear. The desire to ruminate on that hurt, which changes the motives from negative to neutral or even positive. It's not merely a decision to act upset in the moment, 
It's the, the move towards internal emotions reflecting empathy, sympathy, compassion, and love without negative feelings. Instead of a wishing to avoid or to seek revenge against the person who caused the hurt or the perceived hurt, you are left with the feelings of good will towards the person. In this sense, our memories are not wiped out. The transgression is not erased. It does not make the transgression go from wrong to right. When we forgive emotionally, we remember the offenses differently after we forgive. The memory of hurt remains, but the emotion that is evoked is not of resentment or bitterness. We don't tense up. We, 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 we don't get stressed out. We don't have a level of anxiety when we interact with that person, when we have moved to emotional forgiveness. Total forgiveness results in the reconciliation where trust is re-established. Go on the journey of forgiveness and have a different perspective on the events, whether because we've communicated with the person, we've processed it well with a Christian brother or sister, and we have attempted to initiate forgiveness with the other and led to reconciliation. God changes our perspective and causes us to grow in Him. I hope that you don't settle for forbearance in relationships. In fact, I hope because your relationship with Jesus, anytime you are hurt, that you work towards reconciliation and you feel forgiveness for the other. Because 2 Corinthians says this, For Christ's love compels us, because we are convinced that one died for all, and therefore all died. And he died for all, that all those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who, who was raised again. So from now on, we regard no one from worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. This creation has come. The old has gone. The new is here. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. He has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God. This shows up in our relationships with others. When we begin to process our hurts and those who hurt us, when we communicate, when we, when we help others in our Christian community process hurts well, that we don't ruminate on them, but we attempt to help them have healthy emotions of empathy, of sympathy, of love, and compassion, so that when we encounter each other, trust is rebuilt, and the watching world sees Jesus.